Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4ZZZ Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Live at four Triple Z Studios. You might be listening to us on 102.1 FM or Z Digital in Brisbane or around the country on the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Z Games, and we've got a great show this week, as we do every week for the rest of time. You can't get rid of us. My name is Jack Ranjanan. My name is Adrian Navratil. And I'm Razor. With no last name. None. None. Zero Ra- at all. He's like Mario. It's just Razor Razor. Yeah. Razor Mario Mario. <laughs> You can call me Razor Mario if you Ra- want. Razor Mario. Weird. That's, Sounds like some edgy Mario from a forum somewhere in the depths of the internet. That's the... That's that's who started it. It's out of control. Moving We've on. Got stuff coming up on this show. I've got a report on the speedrun marathon that happened in Adelaide um, a little while ago. I'm very excited to talk about that. We're going to be chatting with uh, Ryan, who is one of the speedrunners at the event, and um, Jonathan, the technical director of the Australian Speedrun Marathon. So what's happening in the news, Adrian? The ever-popular Fortnite is making $2 million per day on mobile, according to a new report from a mobile analytics company. According to the report, Fortnite's iOS version made an average of $2 million per day over a 10-day period following the start of Season 5 earlier in the month. The report estimates that Fortnite has to date accrued more than $150 million from only the mobile edition, with an Android version still to come. That's a lot of V-Bucks and costumes oh, yeah. and cosmetic items. Yeah. For $2 million per day. That's, I, I want to make $2 million dollars per day. Where are my $2 million per day? Just make your own Fortnite clone, and <sighs> now you can. <laughs> PUBG Mobile, ladies and gentlemen. Th- this news piece is really interesting because I think, you know, in the industry, where the money is is where people and trends end up going. So, you know, with this much money being made in the mobile space with the Battle Royale genre, I think it's safe to say this isn't the first or the last we're going to see of this, uh, this, this style of game. Absolutely. I think the, the pie is big enough for a number of players to want to get a piece of it now. Only thing I will say is that as far as other players, um, Epic, I'm not sure if we've reported on this previously, but Epic has started paying their um, like creators in the uh, asset store, because uh, Epic is obviously in charge of Unreal Engine 4. Mm-hmm. They've been paying their creators a higher cut because of Fortnite, they've said that. So um, at least Epic isn't hoarding all the cash money. That's it's nice. Sharing it around a little bit. Good yeah. stuff. The more you know. Mm-hmm. New details have emerged for Microsoft's rumoured next-gen Xbox Scarlet from website Thurot. Though nothing official has been confirmed, a new report claims that Microsoft is planning two pieces of hardware. The first console is purported to be a traditional Xbox-branded console, while the second is reportedly codenamed Scarlet Cloud and will apparently offer dedicated streaming capability. According to the report, Microsoft wants to offer a console experience where the user can't tell the difference between whether the game is being streamed or played traditionally. That's Good luck. Yeah, good luck <laughs> uh, is, is the in only some thing. territories. Well, in honestly, in all territories. Because even, even for... Um, people in the US or North America or in Europe that have the infrastructure to support that kind of program um, through stuff like uh, even just Steam in-home streaming where it's like that's the best case scenario it's so easy like if anyone's got a Steam link or even tried between different PCs mm-hmm. it's so easy to see that there's a, a latency increase um, that there is video artifacting it's the same with PlayStation Now and um, like every other stream like yeah. on live before it wasn't on live or whatever else so PlayStation Now is probably the best indicator of where this technology is at yes, because that's, that's been right. rolled out in multiple territories do yes. we have any uh, i haven't really been keeping up with it what are the what are people saying about playstation now it's a subscription service that 
if if you have the the problem is that the infra like you need to have that dedicated like infrastructure the internet to be able to use it yeah. and that is really hit and miss the latency is so so the video quality is so so and so it's streaming has always been such a pain to try and get right Okay. Even for even for NVIDIA, where like that's the NVIDIA has had um, like game streaming stuff from their cloud servers as well um, in North America and in Europe, I believe, and they have really impressive hardware behind that. They have more than just like PS3 or PS4 consoles playing the game and, and coding the video, and it's still not the best. It's still not. It, it, people are just like, why would I pay yeah. month to month for a service that is more lukewarm than just buying a console and playing it locally well i suppose that's why xbox uh would be developing two consoles simultaneously for the regions that could potentially house this uh streaming service and for the everyone else everyone else yeah uh, flashback to oh what if you don't have internet well we have we have a product for you it's called xbox 360 and you know microsoft plans on creating most of their revenue from subscription services going forward and they already do that with xbox live xbox game pass and their digital sales so it's a move that makes sense and it also makes sense that they want to retain some of that traditional uh element of console gaming during that transitional phase into into streaming when everything just becomes netflix so that's just a uh speculation a leaked rumor or something it that's is. right yes, you, at this what, stage what kind of stock do you guys put in that rumor do you think that sounds credible i guess we'll see hey yeah look it it wouldn't be the first time that xbox has jumped the uh jumped the markers as far as like a marketing exercise because mm-hmm. so many people are still like i don't want to be connected online all the time yeah. um more and more like the xbox one since release has been a platform that is more and more useful offline or, or when disconnecting from from the internet for any sort of decent period of time um i i would hope that they would have a lot of thought or that they've been developing something like this for a very long time before announcing something that's that's the only hope yep. in my mind so that yep. they're able to make those considerations and it makes sense to me that this is where the industry is going as far as mm. streaming games Absolutely. goes that's just technology that's you know it. as a service in other news, Nintendo has filed a lawsuit against two large emulator websites seeking millions of dollars in damages. These emulator websites are infamous for distributing video game ROMs or in other words pirated digital copies of games. A 27-page PDF of the lawsuit was acquired by Torrent Freak, detailing how the websites potentially spread unauthorized copies of Nintendo games to over 17 million users per month, in addition to accruing donations and the sale of advertising on those websites. So, you know, already quite a sticky situation if you're, you know, these websites perpetuating mm-hmm. illegal copies of games. But then they're also getting ad money and accruing donations from people to yep. continue putting out these illegal games. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's more or less indefensible. Uh, they are yeah, just taking Nintendo's intellectual property and just distributing it en masse, uh, which is totally and, not cool. And profiteering from it. That's yeah, it. absolutely. However, you know, if um, Nintendo did want to go ahead and make all those games more available... They might more, actually... More readily yeah, available, you know, guys. At, a, at an affordable price, this... Po- this problem may not be as prevalent you know that that's just me talking out of my nose i'm not i'm not you know heartbroken that virtual console isn't on switch yet hey ray yeah want that virtual console (laughs) honestly bring it back that i feel like that's that's the best case scenario right like making these older games that people clearly have such nostalgia for such like yeah such a drive to revisit 
Why wouldn't you make those? Bring them all out, put them in the library, make be- I'll pay a couple of bucks each. And it's not them. a technical hurdle either. No, like, no, not Nintendo at all. has like distributed like Mario Galaxy on like an Nvidia Shield yeah. in in China recently. It's I like mean, they have the the emulation technology. These hobbyists them. have have got their own emulators and they're running perfectly fine on on weird platforms. So Nintendo should surely be able to make something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Murray, the creative lead behind No Man's Sky, has gone on the record to admit that he, quote, made mistakes, and has regrets about his communication about the content of the game pre-launch. Murray and the team at Hello Games drew the full ire of an enraged internet after the game was shown to lack features that were alluded to be in the game's pre-launch marketing. Murray has kept a low profile online since the game launched two years ago, while the studio has been releasing a steady stream of updates. An upcoming update for the game adds multiplayer functionality, as well as visual upgrades and improved crafting. And the game's also coming to Xbox One mm-hmm. pretty soon as well. Yeah. Uh, I feel sorry for, for that guy, Murray. Um, he kind of went AWOL on the internet as soon as, like, you know, the internet began to hate him. And there was that unfortunate image of, uh, I believe, the team when they went gold holding up a picture, a blank, a blank No Man's Sky disc. And yeah. that got photoshopped uh, to hell with uh, other things. <laughs> Great template for insulting it. memes. I mean, yeah. He just really fed us that one, didn't I he? love photoshops like that. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of unfortunate that No Man's Sky got picked up by a bunch of media outlets and just kind of got blown out of proportion. I mean, it didn't really help that Murray had kind of previously said a few things that were, I'm going to say, not entirely true. Like, a lot of stuff mm. regarding multiplayer in particular, I recall him being like, yeah, there's multiplayer. You might, you know, <laughs> the, the chances of you finding someone else is is so small but you you know you might actually find them yeah i and mean then you there could was say none. false you could say it was false yeah it was claim. false yeah or a lie i was some gonna... people could say a lie what a yeah no that, on the flip sure. side though i mean i i enjoyed <laughs> no man's sky i think you know it's uh, the grandeur of its of its of its vision and creative plan um was perhaps too big for its own good but it has been good to see all the things that have changed since launch and um, the developers made a pretty conscientious effort to tell people you know what has changed and what yeah. has improved and there are some pretty cool changes that have come to the game since launch i'm gonna check it out again i haven't t- picked up the game in a year and a half or more but um yeah i'm looking forward to seeing if if the game as it is now is something like what they promised yeah it's had quite a lot of patches yeah. recently to i think it's called next is the current update yeah. so um yeah if you're interested jump back in Thanks so much for the news, guys. You're listening to Zed Games. And uh, earlier in July, gamers travelled from all across Australia to Adelaide for an event to raise money for charity. And uh, this was the best the ABC were able to say about it. Diehard computer gamers are used to sleepless nights in darkened rooms, but some are currently taking that to extremes at a special event here in Adelaide. So thanks, ABC, for that report from 30 years ago. The Australian Speedrun Marathon has been held every July, and in that time, the community has raised over $13,000 for Beyond Blue and Child's Play. This year, it was a four-day live stream spanning two venues and over 74 hours of non-stop gameplay, short of any technical hiccups. And uh, in case you're not aware of what speedrunning is, well, I've got someone to try and explain that to you now. So speedrunning essentially is people try to play video games as fast as possible with no real limitations. So ASM is sort of an event where people who engage in this hobby come from all over Australia to down in Adelaide uh, to exhibit their skills. So that's even Ethan, Ethan, mm, Ethan Levi, the coordinator of the Australian Speedrun Marathon, and he's been doing that since 2015, actually. There are a lot of people with different perspectives, of course, um, the people working in UniSA are worried about tech and so on and so on. So there's different perspectives, I think, but from my perspective as coordinator, I would say it's about continuing 
a continuous goal, so to speak, of pushing that community aspect. So we've been really trying to reach out to as many people as possible, get as hold of as many subcultures, so to speak, as part of the speedrunning community, because every single game has its own community. So we're trying to reach as many people as possible and get them involved, because there are still a lot of Australians who are just like, wait a second, what's ASM? And uh, to speak more to why that sense of community matters, we have Ryan Buse on the phone, who has attended speedrunning events in the US. He's been speedrunning himself for quite a while as uh, as well, and he was attending ASM too. Ryan, how you going? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing all right. Um, so I guess to begin with, how did you get involved with speedrunning? How did you, um, yes, sort of start in the, in the community? Well, I started when I watched... ATDQ 2015, so mm. it was about three years ago, and I watched a Kingdom Hearts run. Now, Kingdom Hearts was one of my favorite game series as a kid, and I saw the amazing things these people were doing with the game, and I just wanted to do that too. Cool. So um, you saw that one back in, you said it was AGDQ 2015. Was that about when you started getting involved with ASM as well? No, actually, I didn't um, get involved with ASM until 2016. Um, it took me a while, like getting my Twitch set up, getting all the equipment and whatnot. Um, and then sort of, I had them meeting a few people and then being able to learn about ASM. Like at first I didn't know what it was. Um, but then like a few of the other Kingdom Hearts guys, I learned they were in Australia. They told me, Hey, there's this event. And, you know, um, I said, I wanted to come and they took a chance on me, let me have a go. And it was honestly amazing. So I, I guess talking a little bit more to that that sense of community, um, we actually had uh, some uh, reporters from Spawnpoint come by ASM, interview a bunch of people, and um, one of the things that I noticed, a lot of the stuff they were asking about, because there's always a focus on, I feel like, world records. Even when the ABC Adelaide, uh, Adelaide was reporting on it, they were like, yep, let's talk to a world record holder. Um, but I feel like that, that sense of like community and, and the cooperation, do you feel like that's kind of more important than the competition of being number one in your speed game? I definitely think so. At least like in something like ASM, it's definitely more about just the people you meet, the experiences you have, and really working together to make something amazing. Not really that individual aspect. That's more of a like your own individual live stream kind of thing. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, I, I do want to ask as well, because you've been to ASM since 2016. I've been at ASM a few times as well, but you've also obviously watched uh, the Games Done Quick live streams based out of the US. They're way, way bigger than ASM, but you've also been to one. How did that sort of compare in your mind as, as far as like what we do here at ASM compared to what North America does at the Games Done Quick events? Well... It was daunting going to such a, a massive event, um, especially, like, overseas. Now, obviously, Games Done Quick, you know, they raise millions compared to us raising thousands because they've been around for a lot longer. They're a lot bigger. Mm. Um, you could definitely see, like, the the production value is super high. Um, you know, the attendance was off the charts. But I guess it also seemed very, like... Um, I guess, more mechanical. Whereas with something like ASM... We actually have fun. You know, it, it, yeah, it's... There's so much more, like, love going around. You just... Some things, you know, you, you wing it a little bit. And I think that really brings the personality of who we are into it, which is something that, at the size it now is, GDQ sometimes lacks. 
So, Ryan, I just wanted to ask, uh, for those who may not have really interacted with speedrunning before or watched a game be speedrun, where would you recommend they start out uh, consuming speedruns? You know, are there any particular speedruns of games that have been done that you think are particularly cool to watch? Where would you direct someone who just has no idea on how they work? Um, I would honestly direct someone to uh, Twitch. is a great place. Most runners uh, actually live stream their games. Um, you can just search speedrun. There's actually now with Twitch's community function, people stream to the just a speedrun community. So you can find plenty of games there. You can also check out speedrun.com, a, a website like purely based around um, resources and leaderboards and videos and everything for every game you can think of. Or even YouTube. Um, I mean, check out the ASM, uh, the Oz Speedrun Marathon YouTube page. They've got all our speedruns from the event. You can see some of the things that we do there, um, some of the really cool tricks. Uh, and there's so many different games. The variety is crazy. There's almost something, there's always something for everyone. You can almost certainly find one of those amazing games from your childhood and find a new way, to, like discover a new way to have fun and enjoy that game. All right, I just wanted to ask, is speedrunning really deeply ingrained into your spirit? Like, when you purchase a new game, um, can you just play it normally, or are you always thinking, you know, what's how fast can I just smash this game? <laughs> uh, it's a funny question, because I, I have thought about that myself, about myself, actually. Like, when I pick up a new game, I've thought, I wonder if this game will be a good speed game, you know, after I've finished it. And, you know, sometimes going through games... Um, like when I actually picked up the, the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, the whole time I was going through it, I was, I was thinking, you know, all the originals had this all, all this awesome speedrun tech. What what of that can I discover through my playthrough now? So it is a little bit. It sort of does get in your mind. I'm just thinking about good and good and bad speedrunning games right now. And you mentioned Kingdom Hearts before. I think the original Kingdom Hearts, you couldn't skip the cutscenes, could you? <laughs> Correct. The original PS2 releases, you could not skip cutscenes. So that gave you a bit of breathing room, I suppose, while you're, you know, thinking, yeah. planning your strat for what's Plenty happening next. Bathroom break. <laughs> That's always good. That's what the HD games are for. Um, before I let you go, Ryan, I just wanted to sort of speak a, a little bit more to that that community because a- ASM isn't the place where the community sort of exists, but I, I feel like it it acts as kind of a catalyst for for how that grows. Like I I met a few runners, like even just on the Uber back to. Um, like flying out of Adelaide, like I met Paso and, and Marta, um, who are both Spyro runners. It's a game that I've run previously. Um, what do you think ASM means to to the community and, and to people that might not be aware of speedrunning to begin with? How do you think that ASM represents the community? Well, I think for the community, it's honestly, like you said, a catalyst is a good word because ASM is just that thing that brings us all together but also brings in new people. Like I've met so many new friends and um, honestly, they feel like a family because of this event that's brought us all together. And then from that, I've actually been able to go and, you know, hang out with these people in real life, um, do other events with these people. Honestly, ASM is just such a good thing to get into if you want to like try and meet new similar-minded people, but also do something really good. It really honestly brings out the best in multiple communities because the thing with speedrunning is many, many communities focus around a particular game or a particular game series, 
But events like this just focus around speedrunning in general and the love we all have for it. We were just speaking to Ryan, a speedrunner of Kingdom Hearts, uh, Lightning Returns, a bunch of other games, uh, has been recently at the Australian Speedrun Marathon and at Games Done Quick, these these massive charity live streams that um, really have gained more and more of a following every single year. Um, Indeed, ASM has grown every year. It started out just as a panel at the games convention Avcon in Adelaide, but eventually it was spun out to its own event at the University of South Australia. With the facilities there, the need for a production crew has grown, and so for the 36-hour stretch at the McGill campus, it was all hands on deck for technical director Jonathan uh, Kovach. Kovach, is that how I say that, Jonathan? (laughs) Kovach, yeah, that's fine. Um, So, yeah, Jonathan's on the phone now from Adelaide. Uh, He does a bunch of TV work. I guess speak a little bit to that um, that experience outside of ASM. Um, What what puts you in in a position where you're able to contribute to that technical aspect? Uh, sure. So, um, I mean, obviously studied at uh, UniSA McGill campus um, and did my film and TV degree there. Um, and in doing that, I was introduced to Andre, who's the studio manager and technical uh, senior technical management at the uni. And, um, yeah, ended up uh, involved in a bunch of te- local television productions on Channel 44 in that TV studio. And, um, yeah, graduated from camera operator to switcher to director and then ended up started starting running two shows out of that studio and still uh, run my own sports show out of there um, as well and so yeah just through uh, networking with with my fellow classmates and whoever was involved in the uni managed to uh, yeah gain a lot of experience in um, wide ranges of media and um, yeah when I heard um, on the forums that the local speedrunners and stuff were being frustrated that they weren't allowed to do an overnight uh, uh, marathon stream I said hey we have a TV studio Awesome. So that was that was a while ago. I believe the first ASM was, in, now, it, yeah. it was in 2016. Yeah. So how did that sort of come about? Were, were you really the one to, to spearhead that effort? Yeah, literally. Um, my friend uh, Luke, or Merc17, who uh, did an awesome uh, Tom Slitters 2 run this year, um, was involved uh, in the DKC um, speedrunning community on Discord, and I was in a couple of chats with them and mm. things like that, just regular playing casual games and online with them, and they kept telling me about how they couldn't do overnight uh, marathon runs and it was really frustrating because they wanted to reach a wider audience and they wanted to stream longer and get more runs involved every year. And, um, yeah, I approached Andre and said, you know, this place is open 24 hours anyway. Um, Why can't we do something like that? And we started uh, organising it in 2016. Awesome. So um, it started out in the TV studio. It was there last year and the year before, but this year was a little bit different, wasn't it? Yeah, we kind of stepped it up a bit this year and we had greater support, um, you know, going off of the success of the previous years and, and we got a lot of staff members popped their heads in and had a look and um, we told them about the numbers and we told them about everything we've been doing and uh, ended up getting the, the head of school, Jason Bainbridge, um, on board this year and was he was very excited about it and, um, yeah, basically said, all right, well, let's let's make this real and let's do this proper and let's try and get a, a live audience in as well and let's let's make this bigger and better. So, um, yeah, we're in the, the Hartley Playhouse this year, our big uh, theatre um, area where we have all our major productions at the uni, and um, it looked and sounded and was way better than it was last year. So we're really happy with that. And what were some of the challenges that, that came with moving from the TV studio to that theatre? I imagine there would have been quite a lot more to keep track of. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a little less familiar to us, and there was a few things we wanted to bring over from the TV studio, such as the light boxes as our background and things like that, that we struggled with a little. Um, but the 
overall, like with the projecting systems and things like that, were actually a lot easier to deal with than I thought they would be going into it. And um, the whole the whole setup was already very well um, ready for us. It was just a matter of, yeah, taking our unique uh, problems such as the capture cards and cable lengths and changing consoles and things like that and where we needed to control everything from and just m- making that work in that space was uh, was what we had to do. So on the last day of Avcon, uh, we had a very, I'm going to say heated conversation at the front of Strath um, about uh, <laughs> the the whole situation, like how Avcon has kind of been um, like involved with ASM, but not like the reason why ASM exists. And I, I, I wanted to kind of get your your take on like, it's been going for quite a few years now at both Avcon and at ASM, it, uh, uh, sorry, at UniSA McGill, and it's been continuing to grow and get more people on, in, like, involved, more people on side, like you were saying earlier, the head of school. Where do you think it's heading, or, or where would you personally like to take it as technical director um, next year? Oh, definitely. I mean, just seeing the growth um, this year in particular because of the space and just because it was such a more, it was a more appropriate space this year for sure, um, the the atmosphere that we had in the room of all the speedrunners and audience members clapping along. We had UniSA staff members bringing their kids along and um, and everyone who popped by ended up staying for longer than they thought they would have because of just, um, yeah, just the space and, and having Twitch on, on stage and everything like that and, and seeing how many people are watching online and all around the world there really really gave it a, a larger feel than than it did in the in the dinky little TV studio where we could only fit maybe 30 people uncomfortably we're lucky, yeah. dodging cables and lights and things like that so having it in this in the theater um, really made us see the potential of the event in general and um, I think I think yeah we definitely want to go bigger and better next year again um, and yeah we, we want to try and encourage a, a more a, a live audience we want to encourage more people to come along and it out and um i'd love to stream for for multiple days next year like maybe even two or three or four um as much as they'll let us really (laughs) as much as we can get away with awesome um thank you so much for your time jonathan uh hopefully i'll be talking to you very soon about um more sm stuff awesome thank you very much that's all good jonathan kovach that from uh the uni of sa that actually brings us to the end of the show for this week thank you so much for hanging out uh through this absolute journey it wasn't it wasn't it a journey oh yeah great what a journey one hour odyssey Love oh it. yeah as it is always uh we'll be same we'll be back same time next week is what i, I was definitely I saying hope so. yeah <laughs> if, if we haven't somehow broken something <laughs> you else. said this the show was going to go forever so you got to guarantee that it is Eternal. well yes it is eternal going. z games jack terrifying talk to you soon see ya bye